0: Well, today, you're all very fortunate, very fortunate, because you get to hear somebody that I've known since the day he was born. Uh, He happens to be my cousin, but he's also a godly man. Uh, Him and his wife, Lisa, are here today, and I'm talking about pastoral assistant, board member of Encounter Church in St. Helena, Gabriel Frey. So why don't you uh, come on up, Gabriel. Give him a big hand as he comes up. And he's going to bring us the word today. So, Gabriel, just take your time today as the Lord uh, has his way. And we're going to dismiss our kids today right now at this time to Kids Church. Give them a big hand as they follow my beautiful wife out the back door to the front room.
1: Amen. Have a great time, kids. Well, thank you, Pastor Rick. Um, It is such a tremendous honor um, to be here today. And on behalf of my wonderful wife, Lisa, and I, would just like to say thank you. welcoming us. Um, Thank you, Pastor Rick and Anna. Um, How many of you know that we serve an amazing Father in heaven? Amen? A Father who loves to give good gifts to all of his children. And one of my favorite gifts that the Father has given us is the gift of humor. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm just going to share a little story that I heard the other day which says that one day a pastor was scrolling on his phone when he came across an ad for a Christian horse that was for sale. A Christian horse. Very intrigued, he went to go check it out. When he arrived at the seller's ranch, the horse's owner explained to him that it was very easy to ride the horse. Just hop on and say, praise the Lord to make her go. And when you're ready, say amen to make her stop. So the pastor got on the horse for a test ride. He grabbed the reins and said, praise the Lord. And sure enough, the horse started to walk. Praise the Lord, he said again. And this time the horse began to trot. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The pastor yelled excitedly and the horse broke out into a full-on gallop. Now, after several minutes riding in the open fields, the pastor was so thrilled and enjoying his ride so much that he almost didn't see the cliff he and the horse were about to go over. At the top of his lungs, he shouted, Amen! And he and the horse came to a sliding stop right at the edge of the cliff. Relieved, the pastor looked up to the sky and said, praise the Lord. (laughs) The gift of humor. I love it. I love it. I love it. A little dark, a little dark for church, but you know. Let's pray for the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. And I thank you for every single person here this afternoon. May your spirit continue to be amongst us. May your Holy Spirit open up all spiritual senses to hear and receive, and may you empower my words to say and declare everything that you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of the message today is Through the Father's Eyes. Through the Father's Eyes. And so I think I'll go ahead and spare you any suspense today and reveal the core theme and topic of today's message and that is identity identity and you see for me personally i believe that identity is the single most important issue and aspect of our christian walk and faith it's all about identity the revelation and the acceptance of the identity of our God, our Heavenly Father. The revelation and the acceptance of our Savior, Lord Jesus. The revelation and the acceptance of our great helper and guide, the Holy Spirit. And the revelation and the acceptance of us, you and I, sons and daughters, children of God, amen? I believe that these revelations of identity make up the foundational pillars of belief in which God can do great works in our life. To build up his people and his church to see it be prosperous into the destiny that it's destined to be, amen? In saying all of that, I'd like to point out that the revelation of these pillars of identity is not enough by itself, but each revelation must be followed by acceptance. You see, God reveals things to people all the time, and they can be denied, ignored, and rejected just as quickly. I can present the gift to someone all day long, but if they don't accept it and deny it, then it doesn't fully get passed over to them. It doesn't get received. Now it is my heartfelt prayer for all of us here today that we have accepted our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We freely accepted his gift of salvation when we accepted Jesus into our hearts. We have said goodbye to our old ways, and he has put to death our old life and replaced it with new life, with eternal life. Of course, that is why as believers we are born again. And over the years, one observation I have made um, in my own journey and amongst other believers is this identity pillar, the identity of Jesus, is really the most easily accepted of them all. I mean, after all, that's what makes us Christians, right? We have accepted Christ Jesus as our risen Lord. He is the reason why we are all here today, to give him all honor and praise. As believers, we have been renewed and sanctified by the power of his blood. Having said that, what I have witnessed and observed amongst other believers and what I have struggled with and battled with in my own life is that battle with that fourth pillar. Accepting, believing, and sometimes even understanding my own identity in Him. Accepting who God says that I am, believing who I am through the eyes of the Father. Now speaking to other believers, and being the one up here giving a message can go various ways. Some messages are very full of encouragement and lightheartedness. Others carry a heavy weight to them. But no matter the spectrum, I believe in one message, and that's the honest, truthful testimony of my life through Jesus, the truth that he has given to me. And that's the only way I can be. And this, today, I'd like to give you a little bit of truth about my life, my personal testimony. Some of you, like Pastor Rick, have known me since birth, day one. <laughs> Other, others of you, this is the first time we've met. But for me, I didn't grow up in church, necessarily. Um, I always had a, an aspect of God in my life. You know, from the youngest age. But I didn't really start going to church regularly and really walking with the Lord until my late teens, early 20s. And through that, the Lord has been with me through a lot. But I have seen, the, I've had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. But through it, being baptized in water, being baptized by the fire of the Holy Spirit. And all the wonderful encounters that I've had with him over the years, it's really been an amazing journey. However, I will be completely vulnerable and honest with you. I have battled for much of my life with depression and chronic anxiety. It has been the biggest battle of my entire life. I'm talking about really, really dark depression. Depression where God in stages and states where I may not have felt like being here anymore. And I'm talking about really chronic anxiety where I can't leave the house for days. Not only that, there's been times where I couldn't leave a room. And besides that, there have been times where literally I could not leave a seat. And I'm talking days. The struggle of being in a chair And seeing the sun come up, and the sun go down, and the sun come back up again. No getting up for food or water or anything like that. I'm talking about almost like a chaining in that chair. This has been a battle. And depression and anxiety has had its impact on every aspect of my life. My encounters with others, my connections with others, who I am, and and everything in between but I say that as an honest, open testimony. You see, it's essential that you know and accept who your Father in heaven is. It's imperative that you know and accept who your Lord and Savior is in Jesus Christ. It's imperative that you are in tune every day to the Holy Spirit and what he is saying and how he is moving. But let me tell you something, church, it is crucial that you know and accept who you are through him, Jesus. There is no doubt in my mind that the acceptance and truth that we carry about our own identity through Jesus is the most important influence in our day-to-day life. All of our actions and our choices and the decision, decisions we make can all be traced back and tied to who we believe we are. Or, who we believe we are not. And so my question to you today is, who are you? Who are you? Who are we collectively? Well, I think it's always wise when looking for answers to seek in the right places. And to always start at the beginning. So let's do it. The right place is Scripture, and the beginning is Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 26 and 27. This should be on the screen for you if you don't have your Bibles. But let's take a look at it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, and this is the creation story. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our Likeness, And dropping to verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We were created in the very image of God himself. After his very own likeness. I believe that this verse, this set of verses, is, are some of the most powerful in all of the scripture. It is simply profound. When I pray into this scripture, I have no shame in admitting I still can't fully wrap my mind around it. And I don't think the revelation, this full revelation of this scripture will ever be revealed on this side of heaven. How? Why? Why, out of all of God's creation, from heaven and earth and across the entire universe, all of the animals, all, every bit of creation, why us? Why were we set apart that God would create us after his own likeness and his image? Think about that. Pray about that. Pray for its deeper meaning in your life. From the very beginning of creation, your identity was tied directly to the Father, to His Son, and to the Holy Spirit. That is a powerful revelation, one that should be bringing life changing perspective in our day to day walk. Amen? You see, it's always been about identity. From the very beginning, throughout Scripture, our Heavenly Father has made an abundance of promises and declarations to all of his children, establishing and reaffirming his identity in connection to our identity. But if that wasn't enough, I could tell you why one of the biggest indicators of why identity is so important. Because it's the number one area of attack by the enemy. And it always has been. Staying in Genesis and moving to chapter 3 and the continuation of the creation story, this won't be on the screen, but I'll give you the cliff notes. There was a garden, and in that garden there was a serpent who tempted Adam and Eve. We all know the story. The enemy manipulated them into questioning God's command not to eat from the tree of knowledge in the midst of the garden. He tested their obedience and questioned their identity and who they were in relationship to their father. Did God really say not to eat from that tree? Surely you will not die if you eat. He just knows that if you eat, you'll become more like him. You'll become more like God. The truth is that God had instructed them not to eat from the tree of knowledge for their own protection and covering. He knew if they ate, it would only bring destruction and death. You see, up until that point, there had been no reason for Adam and Eve to ever question God's commands or his authority. But the serpent saw an opportunity. He came along, he undermines God's word and command not to eat from the tree, and he uses three counterclaims in an attempt to steal Adam and Eve's identity to their father. And as we know, he succeeds. I want to highlight the three counterpoints that the enemy uses here. Number one, Surely you will not die if you eat. Well, in Adam and Eve's case, not immediately. It's recorded that Adam lived to be over 900 years old. And the scripture highlights just a specific few of the numerous children and family that he and Eve would have over that time. But the nature and the dynamics of the world and land that Adam would live in were drastically different from the once supernatural lush garden he used to walk in with his father or the unblemished relationship that they once had together. Instead, in those 900 years before his eventual death, he lived a completely different lifestyle, mostly because of counterpoint number two, your eyes will be opened. Yes, Adam and Eve's eyes were definitely opened, but not in a good way at all. After eating the fruit, they immediately saw and recognized their nakedness. The arrival of shame and fear and anxiety all entered in the damage caused to their core identity was severe. The very way they viewed themselves and their father was completely changed. The great irony is that the freedom and the liberation that they thought that they would be having and receiving from eating the fruit was something that they already had. But now the chains of fear and doubt and even resentment were attached to them both. And counterpoint number three you will become more like God. In a sense, they did become like God, they became their own gods. Small g, small g. Because of their disobedience of eating the fruit, they affirmed their own independence and self-sufficiency apart from God. By doing so, they assumed the place of authority that God once occupied in their lives. They took control for themselves. But once again, irony. The great irony is, is that as created beings, created in the image of their father, they were already like him. (laughs) They were God's children. Their born identity was directly tied to their father. And they had all rights and privileges as part of God's family. But by disobeying and questioning They forfeited their inheritance. They were banished from the garden. And their perspective of identity as son and daughter of God was completely fractured. You see, the enemy is all about destroying your relationship with your father in heaven. That's his number one goal. From the very beginning, his strategy has been to undermine God's word and his authority and to target and attack each and every one of his children. And it's the same now in 2023 than it was all the way back to the days of Genesis. It's the same game plan over and over and over and over and over again. If this was a sport, let's just say football, it would be a little ridiculous if the same team was throwing the same play over and over and over and over again and we kept on falling for it. We can call the play. We know the play. We know what he's going to do. But why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? He continues to try and steal, kill, and destroy what is most valuable to the father. And unfortunately for Adam and Eve, they failed when their faith and identity was put to the test, they questioned who they believe. But, praise the Lord. Say it with me, church. Don't worry, you're not on a horse right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise Lord. Praise the Lord that there would be one. There would be one who would hold fast to their identity, one who would pass every test and one who would hold on firmly to that identity given to them by their Father, our Lord, our Savior, our King, Lord Jesus. I want to turn right now to Matthew chapter 3 and a very significant event in the life of Jesus, and that is the moment of his baptism. This is found in Matthew chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 13, and this should be up on the screen. And it says this, Then Jesus went to Galilee, to the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it, I am the one that needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? He said. But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This, this is my Son who brings me great joy. In this amazing moment, God himself is declaring and affirming the identity of Jesus. Saying, this, this is my son. And his faithful obedience brings me great joy. The significance of this moment was not only powerful for the life and ministry of Jesus, but it's also a powerful and crucial moment for each and every one of us. As believers, when we accept Jesus into our hearts and proclaim him as our Lord and Savior, our identity is fully restored. It becomes fused with Jesus, and we get reestablished back into the family of God. we get back the inheritance that was once forfeited by Adam and Eve. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 says this. But when the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman and subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us. were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. We have been adopted into God's family. We are now part of a royal priesthood. We now sit at the family table with God himself. (laughs) If that doesn't bring you joy on a daily basis and hope and peace and victory to claim, I don't know what will. So, everything is awesome. E- everything is awesome. Is there a song like that? Everything is awesome. I just, it just like probably, sorry. <laughs> Uh, Everything is awesome, right? Jesus comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit falls and rests on him like a dove. And God declares Jesus as his one and only son. Now, what's the very next thing that happens? What is literally the very next verse in scripture? Matthew chapter three, final verse. This is my son. Who brings me great joy. Very next verse beginning at chapter four, Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and tested there by the devil. Well, well, well. Guess who decides to show up? Coincidence? No, I don't think so. It is strategic. It is calculated. So here we go again. Seems like deja vu of what just happened in the garden. And once again, the enemy uses three temptations or counterpoints to undermine God's word and to try and fracture the identity the father had just finished declaring over Jesus. I want to take a look and examine the exchange between Jesus and the devil found in Matthew chapter 4. And here are the very next spoken words. This is my son who brings me great joy. And the next voice of dialogue we see is the the enemy. Verse 3. Then the devil came to him and said, If you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. If. You see the doubt? You see what he's trying to stir up? Then the devil looked, no, sorry, I skipped, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For it is written, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt a foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you would just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. Praise God, if you want a shining example of what it looks like to hold firm in your God-given identity. Look no further than this. Satan put Jesus to the test in every way to see if he would remain faithful and obedient. Tested him to see who he believed. All three of these temptations are strategic questioning whether or not Jesus would continue to trust in his Father, even in his weakened condition. You see, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and nights, traveling through scorching hot desert, all by himself. I can't imagine the circumstances that he was under. He must have been very, very hungry, tired. Feelings of loneliness might have started to try to enter in. And let's be real, it's a whole lot easier to have great faith and stand firm in your identity when things are going good. (laughs) But when you're desperate and you're drained and exhausted, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually, when you're in those desert moments of life, and you feel all alone crying out to God, who sometimes maybe even He seems like He's gone radio silent. Have you ever had those dry moments? When you're wandering through your own wilderness with no end in sight, that could be a very hard battle to overcome. You might begin to question the promises and declarations made over your life. You may begin to question and lose sight of who you believe. Did God really say that? Those promises really for me? I could see it happening for Pastor Rick, but who am I? I've made mistakes, and now I'm paying for them. I'll always be struggling with this addiction. I'll always have these hurt feelings dealing with these broken relationships. I'll never feel good about myself or worthy of feeling joy and happiness in my life. I guess I'll just go through the motions and just try to make it through. Just try to get by. No. No. That's not truthful living. That is not a truthful mindset, and that is not why Jesus gave us everything, restoring our identity back to the Father. Are you with me, church? Do you hear this? Is it being received? How we view our identity forms who we are and who we believe. You have all been given God's truth through His word about your life. It doesn't matter what the world says or thinks, it doesn't matter what people say or think. Church, sometimes it doesn't even matter what your own flesh and blood say or think, it matters what He says about you only truth brings complete freedom so jesus succeeded where adam and eve once failed i just want to point out some of the parallels between the stories in genesis and matthew both started with temptations having to do with eating. But in entirely different settings. Adam and Eve were in a garden of plenty and abundance. Where Jesus was in a wilderness of emptiness and scarcity. Both instances involve believing the truth and goodness of God's word. Where Adam and Eve deny and disobey God's word, Jesus affirms the sufficiency of God's word and stands firmly on it. It is written. It is written means it's done. It's signed. It's sealed. It's delivered. Close the book. It's done. Both situations reveal the identity of the ones being tempted Adam and Eve are known by God intimately and personally as his children. But they ultimately doubted God's paternal goodness. Jesus, on the other hand, affirms his trust in his father and proves himself to be God's faithful and obedient son. And finally, both illustrate and link together the enormous significance of our creation and ultimate redemption. Adam and Eve forfeited their inheritance and kingdom identity, which ultimately led to death. While Jesus remained obedient and firmly rooted in his father's word, leading him to fulfill his destiny as the perfect sacrifice. In his resurrection, we too are resurrected. And our inheritance and identity that was once lost has been fully, completely restored. So I spoke with you guys earlier about some of my struggles in my life. And it is just an honest testimony. But I want to just share, as I close here, a journal entry that I wrote about an encounter that I had with the Lord one day in prayer. And that's why the title of this message is so important to me, Through the Father's Eyes. I was at a pretty desperate place. It was during a season of my life where the depression and the anxiety it was just getting to be too much. And this is me being a believer. This is me praying every day, reaching out to God in desperation, crying to him continuously, "Lord, help me. I so desperately want a healing. What is the answer, Lord? Is the answer in 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 medication, therapy, is the answer in, in, in sozo, and in prayer. I feel like I'm just on this line in between these two worlds. Which is it? Where do I go? I'm desperate. And for some reason, God wasn't giving me, not necessarily the healing, but the answer that I was looking for. You know how God does that. <laughs> You're looking in the wrong place. You're waiting for the wrong thing. So let me just read this. It's just my honest in-the-moment thing. I don't journal all the time, but I do write down when I have moments of significance so I never forget being in the moment. During my time of prayer, while my eyes had been closed, I envisioned Jesus standing in front of me and I saw his eyes lock onto mine. And as I looked and gazed into his eyes, I could soon feel myself moving toward them, going deeper and deeper into them. Before long, I was completely immersed within these beautiful eyes of his. And I can soon tell that they were not only his eyes alone, But gravitating toward them, I could see that these were also the eyes of the Holy Spirit and Father God, the same set of eyes belonging to our whole and complete God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Within these eyes, I could hear, feel, and sense so much of what the Father thought of me and how he saw and viewed my life. This experience completely overwhelm me, and I was soon drowning in tears. I felt the Father's incomparable love for me. I felt his unwavering support and provision over my life. I felt the peace of having an everlasting safety and security within his sight. I felt completely understood to the deepest areas of my being. I felt distinct, unique, and specifically preferred and selected. I felt complete and whole in every possible way. Like a finished puzzle, there were no more holes to fill, no more questions of what piece fits where, and no question of what the picture illustrated or represented. No words to say except, it is finished. I was in complete harmony within these eyes. At the same time, as I was experiencing this immense love, joy, and wholeness within the Father's eyes, I also started to experience a profound sense of Holy Spirit conviction. And suddenly I found myself in deep repentance asking the Father to please forgive me. You see, a lot of what I was experiencing and hearing the Father say about me was not what I have felt about myself. Within the Father's eyes, I felt total approval. But within myself, I have often struggled with feelings of disapproval. Within the Father's eyes, I felt unconditional love. But within myself, I have many times dealt with feelings of being unloved or undeserving of love. Within the Father's eyes, I felt completely worthy and immensely valued. But within myself, I have constantly battled with feelings of unworthiness and have often devalued myself in my thoughts and mindset. Within the Father's eyes, I could see and hear the blessings and promises he has given to me and spoken over my life. But within myself, I have often disparaged, criticized, and even cursed my own life through my words, judgments, and to be perfectly honest, sometimes even my self-hatred. As I was in this experience while in prayer, deep within the eyes of Father God, I was compelled by the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come into repentance for the views that I have had about myself. Far too often, my view of myself has not lined up with the Father's view of me. I have sometimes daily come into direct conflict with God's truth and his word over my life. I can admit that I am guilty of disrespecting, dishonoring, and undervaluing one of his most beloved and cherished children, me. (laughs) Through this revelational conviction, I could see how over the course of my life, God had consistently looked into my eyes and spoken his great truth to me. But in return, I have often looked back at him and called him a liar. And so I had a confound sense of repentance for my sin of unbelief the unbelief of seeing my true identity of myself as the Father truly sees me. And so after some time had passed and I had given my heartfelt repentance to the Lord. An enormous peace washed over me, and an immense joy filled my spirit. And I felt the Lord say, I have inscribed this message on your heart so that you will always remember and share this testimony. Unfortunately, you are not alone in this battle. Many of my children struggled to some degree in this area and I yearn for them to experience breakthrough. To receive the gift of the full revelation of how I see them. I want each of my children to live every day walking and believing in the fullness of their God-given identity. Seeing themselves through their father's eyes. Can you close your eyes? Father, Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you were always with us. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for how you see us, your children. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would awaken our hearts, awaken our spirits to fully receive this revelation of how much you love for us. It is not by our own strength. It is not by any works that we do. It is simply because we accept and believe your word and accept Lord Jesus for doing it all for us. I thank you for the great victory that you have given to us. I bless every single person here in this room today. May that spirit of victory be upon them when they walk out through these doors. May their heads be lifted up high with peace in their hearts, rest in their minds, knowing that they are your children who you are so pleased with. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick back up. And once again, it's such an honor and privilege to be here. Thank you so much.
0: I just want to share a couple of things before you, um, you go back down. Uh, first of all, how many received something today from God? Yes, amen. It was a good message, good word. Um, but a couple of things that I have to share to you right now. You know, Transparency leads to truth, which leads to freedom, is what you were saying with that journaling. But the other thing that was just laid on my heart is, um, you know, I told you we're all related here. His grandma, which is my grandma, we had a praying grandma. She was the first one in our family that got saved, that had a relationship with the Lord. And I know she was proud of you. She was extremely proud of you. And loved you so much. And she prayed for this young man right here. She prayed for all of us here. We wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for God's grace upon my grandma, our, our shared grandma, Clementina, but she's shining down, looking down on from heaven today, extremely proud of you today, Gabe. I mean, and we are proud of you. I am proud of you today. For the man that you are and the man that you're still becoming amen so again let's give him a big hand Um, we love you Gabriel did a great job amen amen stand with me today as we close take that message home remember your true identity it's so true the words he spoke today that the devil does battle Every day, he comes at us with lies and lies and lies. Everything that was declared in the book of Genesis was just one lie after another, after another, after another. Remember, he's a deceiver, and he will just twist the word to try to steal the truth that that God already gave us, that we're already living with. So let's bow our heads as we close again today, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you, first of all, that you love us. Lord, I know you love us. And and what we like to say here in this house is that, Lord, we are children of the King. And because we're your children, that makes you our Father. And we could declare that as believers today, that you are our God, our Father, our King. And we celebrate that today, sons and daughters here today of the Most High God. We thank you for that reminder today that we walk in true identity as your children and that we, we just rebuke any false identity, accusation that would come from the enemy. We don't have time to even receive any of that. Lord, we will stick with your word and what your word declares about who we are. And we receive that today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. And as always, we close with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' wonderful name, have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you, and we'll do this again next week. Zoom Bible study during the week. God bless you.